Well, let's look at God's word together and look at Galatians chapter 5, the passage that we read. Now, we've been going through the book of Galatians. You remember last time I talked about the fact that, that we're supposed to live by grace and not by law. And that, that once we start living by grace, law has become obsolete. We see that in the book of Hebrews. We even see that in our passage here where it says that if you are led by the Spirit, in verse uh, 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so it's not this balance of law and grace. It's not that somehow I've got to, that, that I've got to somehow have include law in the deal. Because if I don't, then I have license and I just live however I want to. And when Paul is talking here in Galatians, he says, no, it's not law and it's not license. It's a third option. You go, oh, there's a third option? Yeah, there's a third option. And that's the option that he's going to talk about today. That's what's in our passage today. And the reason that this is important, and he, he tells us what it is, walk by the Spirit. That's the third option. Walk by the Spirit, which means that I live by faith independence of the, the Spirit of God. That's the third option. And here's why that's important. Law will never transform your life. Law will never make you like Jesus Christ. Because in this book, he says in, in chapter 4, my children, little children, whom I again, am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He wants Christ to be formed in them. And then he spends the whole book talking about it's not law. It's not by law that Christ is going to be formed in you. And you think about it and you realize he's right. If I, I can follow every facet of, of the law... And do it with a stinky attitude. Okay, you want me to love my neighbor? All right, here goes. Right? That doesn't change me. I do the right thing. I hate my neighbor and I walk away. The law never changes a person. No matter how many laws we have in the United States, it's never changed anybody and transformed their life. It may cause them to stop doing something, but it doesn't make them want to do that. It doesn't give them the desire to do that. Law never does that. We, we experience that every single day. Even when you drive from here, you're going to experience it. There's a posted speed limit sign. And what, what is your perspective of that speed limit sign? You don't like it. It's too slow. And so you want to you want to go faster than that speed limit. And, 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 you, and you find yourself, if you think that there might be a patrol officer, all of a sudden, you now you keep the speed limit, right? Until you pass the guy and then you speed up again. And we find ourselves that law doesn't change my heart. Law never makes me want to do the right thing. I had a person who hurt me in the past and, and had an opportunity to talk to them and, and I didn't want to do it. I did not want to meet with them. I did not want to talk to them because I was feeling hurt. I had some people that told me, no, you probably should. And so in the flesh, my flesh is saying, no way, Jose, right? And my spirit was saying, you need to listen to these folks. And, and God's Holy Spirit was convicting my heart of that that I was holding something that I didn't need to hold. Now, I could have just responded in the law and go, okay, 
you tell me I need to forgive my brother, all right, I'll do it. I'm not going to like it. He's not going to like it, but I'm gonna, I'll do it. And so you end up just doing something because you feel like you're supposed to do it. But I knew that that's not what the Spirit of God was wanting for me. He was wanting to change my heart to be like Christ's heart. And that takes a transformation process. And that takes a supernatural process, which only walking in the Spirit will accomplish. Because in this passage, he talks about if we walk by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the evidence of the Spirit in my life. Those are things that only God has perfectly. He is love. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And as I look at those, I realize this, this is a reflection of Jesus is what this is. This is a reflection of the Spirit of God. This is a reflection of the triune God in my life. This morning as we were finishing up the Old Testament with the uh, Bible recap. Yeah, I know, we're behind. Uh, you probably already started on the New Testament, right? And we're still finishing up the Old Testament. In Malachi, he talks about the refiner's fire. And I've always thought a lot about that idea of God refining our hearts and sanctifying us. And it's a progressive thing. And, and, and uh, uh, Terry Lee Cobble reminded me of, of something that I've heard before. But it, you know, many times we just need to be reminded of some simple truths. And the simple truth was when a refiner uh, knows that, he's, that they've got it to the point where they, the gold or the silver or whatever is, 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 is all the dross has been burned out is when they can see their reflection in the gold or the silver. And God wants to burn those things out of our lives so that he'll see the reflection, his reflection in our lives. And his reflection is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So he wants that in my life. And if I'm living my life by law, I'm doing all the right things, but not with the right attitude. That's why he says, no, it's not by law. That's not what's going to transform your life. I don't want you living by law. In fact, you find that Paul is very frustrated. We talked about that last time. He says, I I'm astonished. I'm perplexed. Are you so foolish? I mean, he uses all this language through, the, through, the, this God, this, uh, through Galatians. Because he's communicating the gospel message and he's saying, this is how we live our lives and it's not law. Now, why do we gravitate to law? Simple. It's because it's simple. Because the law, you read the law, you do the law. Done. Right? Check the box. Done the law. But it never transformed you but it's easy to wrap our minds around. It's harder to wrap our minds around this idea of grace, live by faith. How do I do that? Walk in the Spirit. What is that even? Right? It's hard to wrap our minds about what that is. And so we need to figure out, and that's his solution. He's, he goes through this whole book saying, 
it's grace, it's grace, it's not law, it's grace. And then he says, okay, let me show you what it looks like. It's walking in the Spirit. Now, when we think walking in the Spirit, typically when we think about the Spirit, we think about the sign gifts. Must be speaking in tongues and healing and those kinds of things, right? And, and that's, when we think of the Spirit, we, we tend to think of those things. We think the gifts that God has given to the body of Christ. And the reality is, is what he's saying here is, I'm not talking about the gifts. I'm saying walk in the Spirit, not gifts, is going to be the sign. The sign is going to be love in your life, joy in your life, peace in your life, patience. And you go, oh, wow, this is a whole new thing. This is a whole new dynamic that he's talking. That's, that's what needs to characterize my life. And I can find that there's times where I'm not exhibiting those things. It's a real quick indicator. Am I walking in the Spirit? Well, how am I doing on love? Oh, pretty good. How am I doing in patience? Uh, not so good. Uh, and, and all of a sudden you realize, or I'm just upset, or I'm anxious, or whatever, and you realize, wow, what is this thing walking in the Spirit? How can I do this? If this is his solution, the question of before us today is how can I walk in the Spirit? Well, in order to walk in the Spirit, we need to understand some things. We need to understand what the Spirit does in our lives. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. What the Spirit of God does in our life. There are two issues. There's a lot of things that the Spirit does. We're going to look at two of them. Baptism and filling. And stay with me because you'll see how filling fits. But baptism also helps us to understand what it's not. Baptism the Spirit we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. It says, For in one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body. So there's that little word all. We're all baptized. Not some baptized. We are all baptized. So what is he saying? Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Everyone who's received Jesus as their Savior receives the Spirit of God. How do I know that? Well, because Ephesians chapter 1 Verses 13 and 14, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, and he explains what that word of truth is, the gospel of your salvation, and then what was the response, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And you go, wow, that is a powerful passage. Really powerful. Because it says, you receive the Spirit of God as a seal, sealing your, your salvation at the moment you believe. You don't have to pray for it later. You get it right at the moment of salvation. It's something every believer has, 1 Corinthians 12, right? All. We all have. And he's a guarantee of our inheritance. A guarantee. Not a hope, not a wit. A guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. If you go to Ephesians 4.30, the question is, well, how long do I have the Spirit? It says, do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we have the Spirit of God from the moment we believe in Jesus till we're up in glory. We can't lose the Spirit of God. 
which has a lot to say about assurance of salvation because I can't lose the spirit because I am possessed by him. It's not like I possess him. He has bought my body with a price. He has bought my life with a price. And so the only option I have is to glorify, glorify him, as Paul says in Corinthians. So you go back to that first Corinthians passage, verses 12 and 13. It says, we were all baptized. Notice we were is a passive, it's not an active which means it's something that happens to us. It's not something we're commanded to do. So when we believe on Christ, we are baptized with the Spirit of God. What does baptism mean? It means that we receive the Spirit. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God right now residing within you. You didn't do anything else to earn it, deserve it, anything. You didn't have to pray for it. You get it. And you get all the Spirit. You don't get part of the Spirit. You get it all. He doesn't come in pieces and parts. Not like iPhones and stuff. Where you buy it and then you got to buy the adapter, right? You already got the adapters. You got everything you need for life and godliness in the spirit of God. And so that's the baptism of the spirit. It's when you receive the spirit. So you already have the spirit. You already have all power within you. It's like you got a nuclear reactor within you. In your life. All this power. The question is, are you using it or is it just sitting there kind of humming along? So that's where filling comes in. Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. When's the last time you used the word debauchery? I always wonder in a modern translation, why did they, why did they use that? I mean, they could have just said, for that leads to... Uh, uh, destructive behavior, but be filled with the Spirit. Why, why does he make that comparison? Well, you know, in Acts chapter 2, one of the things that they question uh, have new wine. Well, no, is they received the Spirit of God at that moment, so somehow there was a connection there too. And so you look here and you think, well, what, what is it that he's doing here? He's going from the known to the unknown. Everybody knows what drunkenness looks like and how it leads to disorderly behavior. Another definition of debauchery, by the way. But they don't know what filling with the Spirit looks like. What is that? And so you go back to the drunkenness and you think, okay, what happens there? A person is under the influence of. They have submitted themselves to the influence of this alcohol. So what is he talking about with the Spirit? Under the influence of. Yielded to God. Yielded to the Spirit. What does that look like? When you're yielded to the Spirit of God, how does that work? Well, I know that 2 Peter 1.21 says the Spirit of God was given by the Spirit of God. As Lingle said, God wrote a book, right? The Spirit of God wrote a book. He wanted us to know. And it's confirmed through the ages by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by the fulfillment of prophecy, we know this is it. It's not another. And so we, we, we look at this scripture and it's 2 Peter 1.21 says, men moved by the Spirit spoke from God. So I know this is what God wants me to do. And the Spirit of God, his, one of his roles is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So as I read the Word of God, my heart's convicted by his Word, 
convicted by the Spirit. And because I have the Spirit of God, we're also told in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we can understand spiritual realities. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 If I can get it to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of a person which is in them? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that, giving the reason, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And so when we have Jesus Christ and we've received him as, as our Savior, then we have the Spirit of God residing within us and he convicts us uh, of not doing the Scripture. He illuminates his word to us so that we understand it. And then when we, by faith, say, Lord, my flesh is telling me I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because you asked me to, there begins to build a relationship because now we're sensitive to the Spirit of God. We may be uh, walking down a hallway and, and we just sense, I need to talk to this person. You're going, no, I don't know them. I'm not talking to them. And the Spirit's just kind of going, no, you need to talk to them. You don't hear a voice, but you just kind of sense that you're supposed And you're like, Lord, I don't want to talk to them. I don't know them. I, I don't even like them, I don't think. And 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 you and you go and you talk to them and you say, okay, Lord, you've asked me, I'll do it. And, and you talk to them and then you find out what's going on in their life and you pray with them or whatever and, they're, and you're blessed. And you walk away with this joy and this peace and this, oh, wow, that's, that's in that list. And this love, oh, yeah, that's in that list. Because you're walking in the Spirit. You're filled with the Spirit of God. And it's a dynamic relationship, not a static one. And so you look at these ideas of baptism and filling. And I've got a chart that I, I, you might want to take a picture of and look at a little more in detail later. But the baptism of, uh, of the Spirit occurs only once in the believer's life at the point of salvation. The filling of the Spirit is a repeated thing. I can be filled in this moment and then kind of lose it. You know, uh, because of, you know, somebody treating me wrongly or my football team losing or something, you know. And then I can be filled with the Spirit again and then, you know, I can lose it again. And so it's this moment by moment thing, hour by hour, day by day, week by week. The baptism only occurred after Pentecost. It didn't happen in the Old Testament. But it occurred, uh, the filling of the Spirit also occurred in the Old Testament. We see even Saul and they say, is he among the prophets? Because the Spirit filled him at that moment. Baptism is true of all believers. Filling is only true for believers who yield themselves, who, who respond to the Spirit. You can have two people sitting side by side and one's filled with the Spirit and one's not. Both have the Spirit. One's tapped into that, that power that God has given with them, this nuclear reactor in them that gives them all power they need for life and godliness and the other hasn't. One is, is, uh, cannot be undone, the baptism, but the filling can be lost and regained and lost throughout your life. Uh, baptism results in a position you are now a child of God when you receive Christ and you have the Spirit of God coming in you. Filling it results in power that, that God works through you. Baptism occurs when we initially believe in Christ, filling only repeatedly when we yield to Christ. And then baptism depends on faith and filling of the Spirit 
depends on yieldedness. So what is this walking in the Spirit then? Walking in the Spirit is part of the filling of the Spirit. In fact, if you put the next slide up, if you'll notice, there's going to be only one thing that changes, that line at the bottom. Filling plus time is what walking in the Spirit is. So maybe this moment, I'm responding to the Spirit of God. He's asked me to speak to someone, and I speak to them, and I'm responding to Him. But then the next moment, something else happens, and I get kind of frustrated, and all of a sudden, I'm filled with anger, filled with other things. And then the next moment, I kind of regathered my thoughts and myself, and I've responded to the Spirit of God again. And, and so there's this walking in process. And as I fill, am filled in these different moments, I begin to walk in the Spirit. And so it's this idea of moving along throughout life. And it's something that we should pray for as well. We don't have to pray for the filling. The filling is yieldedness. But it involves talking to our Savior. That's the dynamic part of this. It's when I'm responding to the Spirit and He's moving in, in, in and around my life, all of a sudden I'm sensitive. It changes the way I look at every situation. Because I no longer just respond by, by something happening and I... And, and, I, and I'm oblivious to it because, man, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, so it doesn't matter what's happening around me. It's that I'm being sensitive to the Spirit of God. And so I'm thinking, when I wake up in the morning, and Saul messed up on this big time. Saul was a guy that woke up in the morning and goes, we're supposed to go to battle, and uh, okay, Samuel's not here. Oh, come here, priest. Let's, let's get this thing taken care of. Let's fulfill the law, and let's, let's move forward. We'll ask God, but really, I know we'll go ahead and attack. And then Saul comes along and goes, what are you doing? Because he wasn't waiting on the Lord. There's times where I almost sense, and it's not like I have anything physical or anything. God just kind of almost putting his hand on my chest and wait for it. Wait for it. I know you want to say, don't say it. Wait for it. Wait for me. Wait for, and watch what I'm going to do. And there's this dynamic, and you begin to get closer to the Lord in ways that you never would have before. If you were just doing all the right things, that doesn't build a dynamic relationship. But when you're sensitive to the Lord and you're thinking, Lord, what do you want me to do today? When you wake up in the morning, God, what do you have for me? Who do you want me to impact? How do you want me to change this world? How do you want me to glorify you? We see Paul in Ephesians 3, 16, and I want to encourage you, write that down this reference. I want you to pray it every day this week. Ephesians 3, 16 and following, or 14 through 16. It says, for this reason, and it's one of his prayers in the book of Ephesians. He has two long prayers, chapter 1 and chapter 3. And he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray, here's his prayer, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. We need to pray that. Lord, strengthen me with your power through your spirit in my inner being. That was what Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. We need to pray for that for ourselves as well, that God would do that in us, that he would change us, that he would transform us, that he would make us more like Christ, that he would see his image in us. As he looks, the reflection would be there more and more as we grow in Christ. There was a lady that was a Hindu from India, and she was, as she was in India, this, this person came to, their, to her village and wanted to teach her uh, English, and, and so there was a group of people that, that came and, and gathered, uh, and she had 20 or 30 people, and she was teaching them English, and she was using the Bible as her textbook. 
And so she was hoping to, you know, have the opportunity to see some people come to Christ as well. But, but she was teaching them English. And this one lady got up and left. It was gone about 10 minutes. And she returned back, sat in her seat, and then just taking furious notes. And, and the lady was wondering, what happened? Why did she leave? And so after it was all over, she got a chance to talk to the lady. And she said, hey, I noticed that you left and you came back. Why did you do that? She said, as you were teaching me English, using the Bible, I became so excited about the Bible and the things that, that it taught that I went outside and I talked to your driver. And the question I asked was one, this one question, is that lady living the things that she's teaching and talking about? And she said, the driver said, yes. And she said, I couldn't wait to get back in and take notes. There's a supernatural thing that happens in our lives that's undeniable when we're walking in the Spirit of God. And they, people see it in us, and they, see, they say, that can't be them. That can't be, that's not what people normally do. That's not where the flesh acts. God wants us to live for him. We, uh, uh, I, I rode around this week with uh, three people in our church family and uh, Priscilla Sanchez from the city. And the question that we had for Priscilla was, do you have people that, that need wheelchair ramps built? And these three guys were wanting to build the wheelchair ramps. You don't want me building your wheelchair ramp. They'll be more injured than helped, right? But these guys know what they're doing. And so they wanted to, they wanted to do that. And so uh, uh, I asked Priscilla and, and she said, uh, she said, I can show you two or three right now. And, and so she says, when do you want to start? And I said, first uh, of November, you know, a couple of weeks. And she says, okay, I'll, I'll go talk to this one person and, and I'll get back to you. Well, what does that mean? That's, a, that's an opportunity for us and, and it's a time to, to move. And, and what happened was is since the time I talked to her, she sent an email to uh, Greg Lingle. He forwarded it to me and she said, I, I have somebody right now that needs their yard mowed. They've been cited for their yard. There's no way they can mow it. They, they don't have the ability to do that because of physical issues. Uh, do you have somebody that would do it? And I, and I sent out to some people. One guy said that he could do it uh, in a week. He, he's got something going on, but he could do it in a week. And then she called me and said, oh, I already got somebody. And I was like, oh, wow, we missed it. And I started thinking, we're, we have more and more of those opportunities all around us. We have people that, that have need. And if you want to be on a list to be contacted about some of these needs and some of them you can help with and some of them you may not. You may not be a wheelchair ramp builder either, but you might be somebody who would make a meal while we're building the wheelchair ramp for that family. You might be somebody who would share the gospel with that person as we do the wheelchair ramp or other things or mowing a person's yard. And what it means is you'll just be contacted and, and, and you'll be sensitive to the spirit of God and just say, okay, Lord, is this one you want me to do? And it may not be. No pressure, I just throw it out there. And if there's somebody that wants to respond, you respond. So if you do, I want to encourage you uh, send, uh, to uh, uh, send your information or just say, I want, I'd like to do that. Uh, I'd like to help out with somebody that has need and send it to contact at nbcchurch.com and say, I would like to help. What happens is, is when you start walking in the spirit, it changes the way you look. 
Because now you're thinking, oh Lord, do you want me to help with this? Instead of going, oh, I can't believe that guy's fence has fallen down. You may go talk to him and find out they can't fix the fence. They can't afford it or there's something going on in their life and they're just not happening. Uh, it may be a, a divorce situation going on. Who knows what it is? And instead of complaining and griping, you become part of the solution. You come alongside. You're saying, Lord, do you want me to be that person? It changes the way you'll look at the world. It changes the way that you'll, you'll look at a lot of things. And you'll find yourself being in more contact with the Spirit of God going, Lord, do you want me to do this? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to wait? Do you want me to not be involved at all? Maybe you have something else that's going on. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He gives this whole list of things of the flesh. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, the word porneia is used there. So pornography, sexual immorality, other impurity, sensuality, idolatry, putting uh, other things before God, ahead of God. Sorcery, which is on the rise in our country, by the way. Uh, I saw a study in 2008 to 2014, and uh, Wiccans have increased from 8,000 to 340,000 in this study that they showed. Uh, enmity, strife, jealousy, where you're not happy at somebody else's success. Now, we do that all the time with sports teams, don't we? Somebody else's team wins and we didn't want to win or lose. Fits of anger. You have anger issues in your life, trying to control the people around you by just getting angry at them. Rivalries. Dissensions, divisions, so, so you're, you're not getting along with people. Envy, you want what somebody else has. Drunkenness, maybe uh, issues with alcohol. Orgies, which, you know, you think about that uh, uh, in our society. There's the polyamorous lifestyle now that people want to live. And you think, wow, that's that. And things like these. In other words, this is not a complete list. So how do you get rid of those things in your life? D.L. Moody, years ago, held up a glass I was going to bring your glass. I forgot second hour too. Um, first hour too. Uh, and his one question is, how do you get the air out of this thing? Can you get the air out of it? If you have a glass, how do you get the air out? You can, you can try to create a vacuum and suck it out of there. You can, you can try all sorts of things. You can't spoon it out, right? Because it goes back in the minute you spoon some out. How do you, how do you get the air out of this thing? Simple. You fill it up. And when you fill it up, all the air is gone. Yeah, there's air in the water. Don't go there. <laughs> Illustrations always break down at some point, right? And so in our life, when we're filled with the Spirit, it forces out the deeds of the flesh. Am I saying don't do a 12-step program? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, if you want long-term lasting Success in so many areas of life, anger, uh, I mean, you know, pornography, any of those, it's when you're filled with the Spirit that you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's when those things will be part of your life. And it says, if we live by the Spirit, verse 25, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, go at His pace, go in His direction. What is His direction? Glory of God. Point to Jesus. His direction, his pace, when he says, wait, we wait. When he says, charge ahead, we charge ahead. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
I want to encourage you this week to pray the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. That we would have eyes to see and that we would have God working in such a way that we are strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. That's a whole different way to live. And it will change you from wanting to live by law and just doing the right things, which is still, doing the right things is still important. Obeying uh, uh, God's word, still important. But doing it by faith through the power of the spirit as we walk with him, as we live for him. Those who are being led by the spirit of God, as we're lead, led by his spirit, it says, if you're led by his spirit, you are not under the law. So it's not keeping the law. It's being sensitive to his spirit. It's being sensitive to his word as he convicts our hearts. And you can tell if it's happening in your life. If you're experiencing love, joy, peace, patience. Now the question that my family had as we were talking about this is, wait a minute, if I'm going to have these things in my life, what does this look like? What is this love? Is it just normal love? Is it some sort of supernatural love? Is it, is it just an emotion? Is it a choice? You know, what, is, what are these things? And, I was, and as we were wrestling, we were thinking, well, uh, you know, love, I might be at 50% joy, or maybe 40% peace, maybe, you know, 60% uh, patience, uh, 2%. Uh, <laughs> And what I am on those things may be different than what you are on those things. And I was trying, we were trying to wrestle with that. And then as I was looking back the next day, something that jumped out at me was in verse 17. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And then I realized he's talking about the desire of the flesh and he shows us 15 things plus things like these. And the desire of the Spirit. So these are going to be things that I desire in my life. Desire to have love and joy. His joy. joy the, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's going to be His peace which passes understanding. It's not because of circumstances. It's a patience when I don't feel patient. And I realize those are going to be things I begin to desire. And I have my delight in the Lord. He'll give me the desires of my heart. I will begin to have those things in my life. As I am sensitive and yielded to his spirit. This week, let's be sensitive to his spirit. Let's, let's pray Ephesians chapter 3. God, strengthen me in my inner man, my inner person. Through your spirit. Father, we come to you today. And we pray that we would not live a static life just simply following rules. We live the dynamic Christian life as you designed it where we're walking in your spirit. We're being filled every day. At moments, really filled. Other moments, failing. Father, but getting back up, getting back on. Persistent in just walking with your spirit. Persistent in believing you. Persistent in asking you, Lord, what do you, what do you want from me next? And I pray that our lives would begin to reflect your image. 
in the areas of love, because you are love. Joy, that, that it'll be our strength. Peace, that passes understanding, that we don't have the anxiety that those around us have. Patience, when we don't feel it. Lord, I pray that you would begin to, that our lives in every area and then some would reflect you. And that the watching world that's waiting to see, are they really living what they believe? They see something even off the charts. Amazing. A miracle. The glory of God reflected in the human heart. Lord, I praise you. I thank you that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Lord, we have this nuclear reactor of power greater than that in our lives. Lord, help us to live according to the power of your spirit in us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.